Well, good morning. A lot has happened since last we met. After the triumphal entry of Palm Sunday, the week turned, and this past Sunday was Easter Sunday, and as an old friend of mine told me years ago, Easter is about life. But there's something that we shouldn't forget, and it's a profound quote that's by the modern-day hymn writer Matt Redman. Matt Redman says this, Christian worship must contain both the cross and the crown. Christian worship must contain both the cross and the crown. And to get to Easter morning, we have to get through the events of Holy Week. And on Thursday night of Holy Week, Jesus and his disciples, they shared what would become known as the Last Supper. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and they came to a place called Gethsemane. And away from the others, Jesus fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then Jesus came to the disciples and said to them, this was actually the third time he had come to them. He had asked them to pray, and they became drowsy, and they They drifted off to sleep, and Jesus comes to them a third time and says, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Judas came up accompanied by a large crowd and Immediately, Judas went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed Jesus on the cheek. And Jesus said, Friend, do what you've come for. Then they came and they laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And then all the disciples fled. They led Jesus away to Caiaphas, the high priest. And Caiaphas said, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus replied, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He is blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And all the priests answered, He deserves death. Then Jesus went before the governor, and the governor questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. Now, during Passover, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pontius Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all said, Crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Interesting. Then the soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and they 
they put a crown of thorns on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they knelt down before him, and they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they spat on him, and they took the reed and began to beat him on the head where the crown of thorns was pressed in on his flesh. Then they put his own garments back on him and led him away to crucify him. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they crucified Jesus. They nailed his hands and feet to a cross made of wood and they raised him up for all those to see. And above his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. From noon, darkness fell upon all the land until 3 p.m. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. Now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, and there were lots of supernatural things that were going on, the centurion and the guards became very frightened and said, This truly was the Son of God. When it was Friday evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, a disciple of Jesus. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, hewn out in the rock. And a large stone was rolled against the entrance of the tomb. And Joseph went away. On Pilate's orders, as to prevent any uprising from Jesus' followers or rumors, the priests and the scribes went and made the grave secure, and along with the guard they set a seal upon the stone. And Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, sitting opposite the grave. Then comes the morning. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they come to look at the grave. Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, they, they come to look at the grave of Jesus, and behold, a severe earthquake has occurred. And there's an angel of the Lord who has descended from heaven and has come and has rolled away the stone, and the angel is sitting upon the stone. And we see a word, behold, and that means to, to see, to look up, to pay attention, heads up. The angel's appearance is like lightning, and his clothing is as white as snow. And, and you know, this isn't the first time we've seen a man with appearance like lightning, with clothes as white as snow. Do you remember when Jesus and Peter and James and John went to the mountain and Jesus was transfigured? Peter, James, and John, they, they got a glimpse of Jesus' true 
glorified form. And, and, and what would be to come? The guards at the tomb, they shook in fear of the angel, and they became like dead men. <laughs> I would say that's an understatement. I mean, what would you or I do? Uh, how would we respond? The angel says to the women, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why, why would the angel say this? Well, think about the judgment that God pronounced way back on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Angels visited and they, and they brought judgment way back in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 19. I mean, when angels show up, one had better be ready. But wait. Do you remember when the angel Gabriel brings the good news of the birth of salvation, the birth of Yeshua, Jesus, when he brings this news to Mary. When he shows up, she, she's afraid. She grew up in temple. She knew her law and her prophets, and she, she was afraid. The angel says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Or how about in Luke chapter 2, when the shepherds on the hillside are visited by the heavenly host who announced the birth of Jesus. The shepherds, they're terrified. Some translations say they are so afraid. The angel says, fear not. Do not be afraid. And in the same way, on Easter morning, the angel says to the women, do not be afraid. There's no need to fear. I know you're looking for Jesus. Jesus who has been crucified. Jesus, yes, he did die. He is not here. <laughs> For he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Look, behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And the women, they, they leave the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. And they run to report this news to Jesus' disciples. They leave. They, they leave quickly. <laughs> they don't fool around. And there's these mixed emotions of both fear and great joy. Well, why fear? The angel just said, do not be afraid. But, but wait, what if all this is true? These women, they, they saw Jesus crucified. They, they saw his lifeless body taken down from the cross. They watched as the tomb was sealed. And if Jesus is truly back, is, is he bringing down holy judgment from heaven? We just referenced Sodom and Gomorrah. There's not just the emotion of fear, but there's the emotion of joy. And wait, it's not just joy, it's great joy. And I think it's interesting that Matthew puts in that qualifier, what kind of joy? Great joy. The joy is greater than the fear. Great joy. Why? Well, what if it's true? Well, friends, if this is true, then this means that everything that Jesus has told them and everything that Jesus has told us is true. Well, there in Matthew 28, verse 9, we see these words. Behold, Jesus meets them and greets them. 
And, and they come up and they take hold of his feet and they worship Jesus. J Jesus meets them. He, he, he greets them. He, he's a gentleman. He greets them to, to put them at ease. And the women, they bow down and they grab his feet and, and they worship. And then Jesus, Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Jesus repeats to the women what they first heard from the angel of the tomb. Do not be afraid. There's no need to fear. I'm alive. I'm alive. I died. I was killed. But I'm alive again. Do not be afraid. There's no need to worry about death ever again. Go and, and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. And off they go. And then Matthew takes a brief detour from verses 11 through 15 there in Matthew 28. There's a brief detour. Now, while the women were on their way, while all this is going on, some of the guard, they come into the city and they report to the chief priests all that has happened. And when the priests assemble with the elders and consult together, they give a large sum of money to the soldiers. And they say, you are to say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. You know, there's no honor among thieves. And the soldiers, they take the money and they do as they, they've been instructed. And, and this story, Matthew says, is widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Well, as my grandmother used to say, <laughs> the truth will always find you out. The truth will always find you out. Regardless of whatever schemes have been devised, whatever plans have been concocted, you can't bury the gospel. And then Matthew tells us in Matthew 28, verse 16, the eleven disciples, they proceed to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they see Jesus, they worship Jesus, but some are doubtful, which is interesting. With all that they've been through, with all they've seen, all they've experienced, still some are doubtful. Hmm. Well, we see some of that too, don't we? Jesus comes up to them and speaks to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Well, why does Jesus tell the disciples this? This, this should be obvious. Well, what is an authority? Well, one definition entails authority as having power or control. One definition also means a credible source of reliable information or evidence, the kind of evidence that can settle a dispute. Well, Matthew 20, 17 tells us, as Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, and this is before Palm Sunday, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he said to them, 
Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him, and on the third day he will be raised up. Is this true? Yes, this is true. Well, then Matthew chapter 26, verse 32 tells us that as they were heading to the Mount of Olives to Gethsemane after the Last Supper, Jesus said to the disciples, After I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Is this true? Absolutely. Well, if this is true, then everything Jesus has told them is true. Everything that Jesus has told us is true. Why do we doubt? Well, when we look at life through our emotions, our situations, and our circumstances, that colors how we view the works of God in our lives. That colors, that affects the way we hear the words of Jesus. But friends, we're able to look and see that God's word is true. That everything Jesus told the disciples and everything that Jesus tells us is true. Jesus delivers his final directive to his disciples there in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is called the Great Commission. Well known, and there's a lot here, there's, a, there's tons of stuff that has been written about this last directive which Jesus gives. Lots of insights. And there's more than we really have time to get into here on an Easter sermon. And, and we're going to explore this when we return to the Kingdom Encounters series in the next weeks. But I want you to see that Jesus is both specific and direct with everything that he tells his disciples in this commission. And he's telling the same things to us. I want you also to see what I think is a most significant verse for the living of these days. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. These are the final words of Jesus as recorded by Matthew. I mean, you turn the page and it's the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. So the final words recorded of Jesus recorded by Matthew. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Think about these two phrases that we've heard Jesus say on Easter morning. Do not be afraid. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. There, there's no need to fear. And as I said earlier, Christian worship must contain both the cross and the crown. And that's why we have to understand Easter in light, or I guess rather in dark, of Good Friday. With Good Friday, we, we see fear and darkness and death. With Easter, we see the light and the resurrection life. In the seriousness of whatever your situation, whatever your situation is today, there is hope for you in Jesus. And I'll say that again. In the seriousness of whatever your situation, 
There is hope for you in Jesus. But that hope is only realized. It's only realized when you and I realize that Jesus came to dwell, came to die, and came to life again to deal with the seriousness of your sin and my sin. For him to deal with and to help with your situation, you have to be willing to let him first deal with your sin. For Jesus to deal with and help with my situation, I have to be willing to let Jesus first deal with my sin. Jesus has the authority to defeat sin and death and hell. Jesus defeated the grave, and Jesus defeated sin. Jesus came to defeat my sin, and he came to defeat your sin. Why? Well, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and therefore we all need salvation. We've all sinned, and the price or the consequence of our sin is death. But friends, this is the good news of the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price for our death. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 tells us that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And we also read in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, unique Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we receive, we receive this eternal life and salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says it so clearly. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation through Jesus brings us into a relationship of peace with God. Jake, how can I be saved? Will you admit you're a sinner? You understand that as a sinner, you deserve death. You believe that Jesus died on the cross to save you from sin and death. You turn from your old lifestyle, your old habits of, of sin, to a new life in Christ. You receive through faith in Jesus his free gift of salvation. And once you do this, you will have God's Holy Spirit living inside you, comforting and guiding you until that day you will see Jesus in glory. And his Holy Spirit will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. Regardless of where life finds you today. Do not be afraid. There's no need to fear. That's the beautiful thing about the gospel. Life with Jesus. Life forever.